0: Support for WAER Original Podcasts comes from California Closets of Syracuse, located in DeWitt. California Closets can help you get your entire home organized with custom-designed storage solutions for the home office, kitchen pantry, closets,
1: and more. Online at californiaclosets.com.
0: The summer of 2012 was dominated by a remarkably unlikely song, Gangnam Style a dance song in Korean by a South Korean rapper named Psy. Now, what might have seemed like just another peculiar one-hit wonder was, in retrospect, the beginning of a massive influx of South Korean popular culture into the global market. From chart-topping K-pop groups like BTS and Blackpink, to Oscar-winning films like Parasite and record-breaking television shows like Squid Game and All of Us Are Dead, South Korean entertainment is suddenly everywhere. I'm Kendall Phillips, and on this episode of Pop Life, we'll be exploring the rise of South Korea as a dominant force in global popular culture with Dr. Juok Jade Kim. Dr. Kim is an associate professor of communication at Texas A&M International University and an award-winning television writer. Jade, welcome to Pop Life.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So great to have you because I must say I've been watching, you know, with uh, quite, you know, a lot of interest the what seems Mm -hmm. to me meteoric rise of Korean popular culture that suddenly is everywhere. But clearly, you know, there was obviously a Korean popular culture before we had BTS or before we had Mm -hmm, Parasite. Um, So can you talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about sort of how Korean pop culture developed and then how it took this Mm -hmm. center stage in the world pop culture?
1: All right, uh, let me give a little uh, historical background first. So um, Korea is a country that deals with after effects of its colonial occupation by Japan from 1910 to 95, and the Korean War from 1950 to 1953, and also its a continuing tensions with North Korea. And the country has made remarkable de- uh, economic development and democratization in the past seven years. And these historical backgrounds explain why the development of Korean pop culture deeply engages with American and Japanese mm-hmm. pop cultures. So for example, many scholars argue that the Korean boy band Seoteji and Voice, which performed between 1992 and 1996, developed the foundation of c- contemporary Korean pop music. This boy band attempted to hybridize Korean and American music genres like hip hop and rock and roll, etc. Also, the filmmaker Bong Joon-ho mentioned at the Academy awards that he had been deeply influenced by Martin Scorsese's films while studying filmmaking. And what to point out is, though, how they employ their culture sensibilities and subjectivities in culture production as time went by. So I want to mention the founder of SM Entertainment, one of the major music agencies, Sumali. He benchmarked the Japanese idol-making system but localized its system rather than just adopting it in um, the late 1990s. And the company has consistently developed its performance-centric music styles, which, uh, which we so-called SMP music performance, and actively seeking to include traditional Korean beats and melodies in Western music trends. So if you look at the contemporary Korean media culture in um, Hip-Hop or television dramas and films, you can see this is consistent and common how they really try to uh, develop these hybridized styles of Korean and Western um, media or culture factors.
0: It's interesting because when I think about, and and Mm -hmm. your your history is is really valuable and gives a a great perspective, Mm -hmm. but I think Mm -hmm. about, you know, Earlier decades ago, Mm -hmm. Japan Mm -hmm. seemed to be one of the dominant forces, at least from uh, that part of the world, from the Pacific area, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of anime or manga or even Godzilla. Mm -hmm. You know, you had you had a lot of sort of Japanese J horror. Like there was sort of Japanese emergence into the culture, and Korea seems Mm -hmm. to have really sort of supplanted Japan. I mean, I don't see as much Mm -hmm. influence uh, of Japanese Mm -hmm. culture as I do Korean Mm -hmm. culture. What do you think allowed that Korean hybridization? to become more Mm -hmm. successful than the Japanese version that they were hybridizing?
1: Um, I think it's not just version of this, the the styles. You have to look at the uh, conditions of the market as well. If you look at um, the Korea and Japan, Korea has a relatively small size domestic market. So when uh, Japan was dominating in Asian uh, market, uh, even though they're dominating uh, very pop- uh, popular at the moment let's say in 1980s and 1990s, they were not really um, willing to go out uh, and seeking out the abroad market. However, because of the uh, really small sized domestic market, Korean uh, media professionals or creators were Way more forced to go out and seek out this, you know, the abroad markets. I think that's one really big difference between Japanese and Korean media industries, and also um, the Korean uh, media creators. um, They have experienced the expansion from uh, of the Korean wave from East Asia to um, the global scale. If you look at, you know, the Korean wave started in nineteen ninety seven. Once the Korean television drama was uh, Exported to China and made a huge sensation there. At the time, they were not really willing to or intended to um, sell this, you know, uh, media products. However, once they see the possibility there, and they really, after that, they really try to uh, navigate or uh, expand their markets. Going to Japan, going to uh, Latin America and also Americas as well. So that kind of, you know, the attempt, I think it's uh, one uh, differences we can talk about.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that, you know, and I think that's important for mm-hmm. our listeners to know that it's, it's not just mm-hmm. a matter that K-pop mm-hmm. or, or uh, Korean television has become popular in the U.S. It really mm-hmm. is. I got a chance a few years ago to spend some time in China and everywhere I went, there was BTS and K-pop. I was in Argentina and everywhere yeah. I went, it was BTS and K-pop. So, so shifting a little to focusing on the music because that is, you know, mm-hmm. such a big part of, of this Korean sure. uh, uh, mm-hmm. moment What are Mm -hmm. the background? Was Sai the person who opened the door or or, or were there other Mm -hmm. Korean acts Mm -hmm. that were pushing Korean sound or this hybrid uh, Korean musical style uh, before Sai? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I want to mention two things. The first one is actually platforms. So if you look at the global network streaming services uh, such as YouTube really changes the landscape of this global music industries, as you mentioned in the beginning, the Gangnam Style is one of the greatest examples that we had, have, we have seen, right? And also BTS, you know, just uh, made a debut in 2013. It's right after, you know, Gangnam Style, the mega hit of Gangnam Style. And then after that, because uh, BTS was not really uh, debuted, by, made by a larger company, they did not have many chances to go to local broadcasting companies, so they actually made them more focus on this, you know, the YouTube, you know, uh, channels to promote themselves, and also these platforms really makes more accessible to uh, international audience to uh, different cultures and content as well. So I think it's kind of platform is really one big factor we have to think about how this Korean pop culture, especially the music videos, really made the global expansion of Korean pop music. And also I want to emphasize the locality of uh, pop culture uh, as an important factor of this, you know, the K-pop form. So if you look at BTS, BTS um, created music um, by using both uh, English and Korean lyrics so they try to put their own korean uh characters they keep it at the same time they also include this american music trends or styles which makes large audiences feel accessible enough to this you know different uh media music content and also bts try to uh um, deal with more universally appealing uh, messages like um, love or uh, anxiety, which really make the younger generations all over the world try to get connected with you know, this uh, Korean pop boy band. So I would say um, the platforms and also this the media environments, and also this more inclusive sensibilities between producer local producers and Global audiences are really changing the entire landscape of, you know, the media production and consumption. It's not just the Korean pop culture. If you look at, you know, how it's actually the Korean uh, popular culture is a kind of reflection of these larger uh, changes. In my perspective.
0: No, it isn't. In- yeah, it's interesting that uh, we've got TikTok, mm-hmm. a Chinese platform, bringing yes. music from around the world to kids around the world yeah. who are then trading their videos around the world. So it is. Mm-hmm. We are certainly in a very, very different kind of convergence global uh, platform mm-hmm. moment. But it does seem to me when I when I look at the the pop charts, at least in America, that mm-hmm. for the most part, it is a lot of American slash Canadian hybrid kind mm-hmm. of uh, artists and then K-pop. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if there's Mm -hmm. something about, I mean, beyond the universality and the hybridization and that they're able to Mm -hmm. kind of bring Korean sensibilities into universal themes like love and anxiety, which speak to even an old man like me, I certainly feel a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering, is there something about either the K-pop sound or aesthetics that is positioning it to bring that Korean music to the fore, because it really is, as much as we have amazing musical artists from all around the world, it does seem mm-hmm. to be, it's it's BTS, it's Blackpink, it's these other bands from Korea that are really dominating uh, the global market. Is there something about them that is unique, something about Korean music that that's taking center mm-hmm. stage?
1: Um, if you look at the Korean pop music, it's really difficult to say it's just music only. It's really total packaging. If you look at how, uh, this, you know, company has provided, you know, a lot of different types of media content to keep, uh, uh, making this, uh, larger audiences or fandom, uh, be uh, interested in this K-pop idols. Because, you know, if you look at a uh, Blackpink or BTS or other straight keys, these other K-pop idols, they are kind of really making its own really uh, idle culture. If you look at it's not just um, music itself. If you look at, you know, there is an online gaming and uh, avatar and other really, you know, virtual concerts. There are a lot of different types of media content that are being uh, provided. So this is something that you look at, you know, maybe it's kind of really changing the meaning of, Music as well in somehow. If you look at how different types of media content they keep providing and creating, so I think that's also possibly one factor that you know the K-pop music has become really a global phenomenon.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the the capacity to provide mm-hmm. fan service. I mean, in some ways that's always been part of popular music, mm-hmm. but now it can mm-hmm. be so instantaneous and across multiple mm-hmm. platforms. Uh, it, it, it's quite surprising uh that they're able to it, manage it, uh, it. Yeah.
1: yeah for example the uh, another sm um um the idol the uh, aspa like you know they are even using their own avatar so like you know people trying to make their own story stories with these you know virtual characters as well so like it's something that really they keep creating a lot of narratives and messages and something fun that it, um, the audiences keep really focusing on this and that the consumption, the consistent consumption of K-pop music. I think it's kind of really um, marketable somehow.
0: Yeah, because it is a fashion, it's a look, it's an aesthetic, it's almost yes. a lifestyle beyond just being not happy. This is a strange question, but is K-pop uh-huh. or BTS, are they popular in Korea?
1: Um, yes, but... Okay. <laughs> It's kind of interesting because when I uh, participated in survey in 2014, BTS was the most popular boy band in the United States. Uh, uh, But at the moment in Korea, they were not really popular. Hmm. So like, you know, uh, the American fans, they have some kind of pride. They made BTS to become really visible, even though they were not popular in Korean market. Because usually, uh, the popularity of K-pop idols in the domestic market is a factor to become more visible in the international market. But it's kind of a little different case BTS has made. However, uh, after BTS become really, uh, popular at the same time, the Korean, uh, fans become more, you know, um, interested in uh, BTS. Now BTS is a really one big figure in Korea as well.
0: Oh, so it's like you. some bands get too globally big and they want to keep uh, their more local bands. Yeah, That's somehow,
1: yeah. That's <laughs> interesting.
0: Okay. So shifting a little bit to uh, uh-huh. film, which, I, again, is another place where uh, Korean yeah. directors have really made a huge impact. I mean, obviously, the mm-hmm. person probably most people immediately associate with Korean cinema, uh, at least now, is Bong Joon-ho, Academy mm-hmm. Award winner for Parasite, uh, the amazing mm-hmm. film Snowpiercer, one of my favorite films the last few years. Um, are yeah. these the first Korean director? Are there earlier Korean directors who kind of broke globally uh, before, like Park Chan Wook or Bong Joon Ho, or are these the first to really bring Korean film into the global consciousness?
1: So there is a one filmmaker. uh, His name is In Gwon Tech. He is kind of person. Again, it's kind of the pioneer, and he has gotten some uh, reputation from international film festivals. But it doesn't mean that his films are really globally popular. However, his uh, achievement in Gang Film Festivals or his consistent filmmaking uh, kind of contributes to having some reputations in, on a, in a global stage. However, as you mentioned, Park chan and Bong Juno and Lee Changdong, chang these uh, younger generations are really leading this in you know, the popularity of uh, Korean films on a global scale.
0: And I'm assuming that's leading to a real growth in the local Korean film industry. I'm, I'm assuming there are more mm-hmm. and more directors and more and more capacity from local studios mm-hmm. drawing from the success of these, these big prominent directors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So do you think, I mean, when I think about, obviously, probably the film most people will uh, associate here is Parasite, which, you know, of course, won the mm-hmm. Academy Award and, and, and drew a, mm-hmm. an enormous amount of attention um, from folks. Mm-hmm. Do you think a film like Parasite is a good example of Korean cinema or is it kind of that hybrid cinema that you were talking about earlier with, with uh, the music?
1: Uh, I'd say it's a kind of good example of Korean cinema, but however, the bone is kind of a really big figure and he is really unique unique in character and achievement hmm. uh, who has both, you know, the uh, critical acclaim at the same time popularity it's kind of difficult to have both right so like you know he's kind of very specialized and but uh, you know about Chanok and bong juno they are really uh very popular at the same time there are some uh younger generations as well they are kind of having more uh reputations now so for example uh, Hang uh of the scott game he is also filmmaker so he's kind of getting his reputation in korea but however during the COVID, it's a really difficult to get you know some uh, uh, the investment. So he really uh, changed uh, his plan to work with Netflix and the Scott Game has made. But it's kind of you know, let me say it's kind of uh, uh, the outcome of the Korean film industry as well.
0: Sure, I think a lot even in in the U.S. and other places. Uh, films are suddenly becoming harder and harder to pull off, whereas more and more folks are moving mm-hmm. towards streaming mm-hmm. services. But I just want to ask one more question mm-hmm. before we uh, move away from motion pictures to the obviously very, very important world of television. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about you know Park Jong-wook and, and Bong Joon-ho as both prominent Korean directors who have both made English language films and still yes. making Korean uh, language films. Do you think there is a pressure on directors like that to move more into English language films? Because at some level, those are probably a little bit easier to market.
1: Um, I would say both. So for example, it's kind of interesting because once they got some, you know, awards from kind of film festivals, they had a lot of, you know, um, suggestions by Hollywood, uh, film studios. And you know when they have that kind of uh, opportunities, as I mentioned before, the Korean media professionals, once that kind of uh, opportunities are came, they are willing to take it. So I'm pretty sure because they are actually Hollywood film keys, so they wanted to work with uh, the Hollywood film studios. Especially if their films were not really big budget films, though. So like you know they try to work with and how they have the more advanced uh, systems they wanted to experience. However, it's funny, I mean, it's interesting that what Fung Juno said after uh, uh, making the film with uh, Holly film system, uh, they wanted, he wanted to go back and to make local film, and it's The Parasite. So again, <laughs> if you look at the, <laughs> the comparison between uh, The uh, Snowpiercer and Parasite, even though both films are great, but the, the the global popularity of Parasite, it's kind of interesting for me because once he worked with the Holly film studios to target the larger market, but actually the better outcome comes from his local film. And he mentioned about it because once he worked with the Holly film studio, usually if you work with the Korean film studios because he's so big figure in Korea, he has all uh, power to make all decisions, but it doesn't really apply, it didn't apply to him when he worked with the Hollywood film uh, studio. So he, that's one reason he actually wanted to come back and work with in the local film uh, company. Um, and then actually, I, I but I think his experiences to work with Netflix and um, other uh, the American film companies really has reflected in the creation of Parasite. Because if you look at Parasite, you know, uh, uh, it's really he tried to translate his local experiences with really global sensibilities. So that's how really appealed to the larger audience. So I think, you know, this, all his experiences is reflected in uh, the production of Parasite.
0: No, and I think I, I've read that Snowpiercer was sort of notoriously troubled by the studio (laughs) interference and all kinds of struggles and and a person named Harvey Weinstein, whose name should not be mentioned, was interfering. And so but it's it's amazing that filmmakers like this, who once upon a time Mm -hmm. would have tried to make it in Hollywood, and if they didn't, would have disappeared, Uh now are able to rise to prominence, including directors who are shifting away from film and towards television. Uh So I suppose the the big elephant in the room, or perhaps squid in Uh the room, that we have to talk about (laughs) is the amazing, to me,
1: amazing Uh global
0: popularity of Squid Game. How how do you make sense Uh of Squid Game's just intense global popularity?
1: So if you look at um, that film, I try to really theorize this overall, how this Korean wave, like in the Korean pop industry and uh, films and uh, television industries, what kind of things can be applied to uh, in a larger context? So if you look at good game, like, you know, the main plot is definitely talking about uh, the children's, you know, games that is just, you know, popularized in Korean society. However, for international uh, audiences they can also enjoy this part because he's talking about, as I mentioned, the uh, the case of BTS. He's talking about the more universal messages, like in humanities in the capitalist system. It's kind of a really fundamental questions, like you know. So even though the the topics are really local thing. But however, the messages we are actually consuming is more universal thing. So like that kind of combination is really making global hit of this Netflix series. And it's kind of really amazing to see how this Netflix, which is really globally networked streaming services, which is in 190 countries, right? And then it makes really global hit. We Actually, see what global kit means with the squad game. I think it's really, really uh, gives a lot of messages about what global culture means.
0: No, it's an amazing moment in in the recognition mm-hmm. of, of the technological global culture, but also just, mm-hmm. as you say, this interesting hybridization of very local, very mm-hmm. specific, but also universal. I guess the other series I have mm-hmm. to ask because my wife loves it. So I have to ask about um, All of Us Are Dead, which my wife, who's been a big mm-hmm. Walking Dead fan, when All of Us Are Dead came out on Netflix. That filled a hole in her zombie heart. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it does seem that there are a lot of... Uh, Korean horror, I think also of Kingdom, which is another very popular uh, show on Netflix. Uh So there's something about Korean and zombies. I wonder if you can make sense of the Korean zombie for us.
1: Okay, so if you look at Korean television market, the zombie is not really popular genre. It's really difficult to make a zombie uh, genre in Korea because there are not many uh, fans there. So usually Korean television, uh, the broadcasting companies, they would not actually accept that that proposal uh, by writers or directors uh, who want to uh, create this type of uh, television series. But at the time, uh, there is one very uh, prominent and uh, popular uh, Korean writer uh her name is kim Eun Hee, and she wanted to really create this zombie jungle a uh, kingdom and then because you know, no, no the major television networks wanted to create that show so he uh, she actually tries to go try to go with netflix and it, because netflix they sell there is you know if you go with the global market there's way enough you know fans for this genre so they would you know uh invest that he uh, her her uh, proposal and once the kingdom made huge uh sensation then you know the netflix would you know more invest um other types of zombie genre genres that you know korean uh creators provide so that's also korean creators who uh were not really uh, available to create this some kind of genres are, were not popular in Korea, they were willing to work with uh, Netflix to make more, because it's kind of their creativity. Like you want to make something that you want to, but it's not really uh, acceptable to the market. you try to find some other ways to do it. So that's kind of another context you, you have to think about how the Korean zombie has been created in that way with Netflix.
0: No, I love it. It's, it's almost like a full cycle. Your Korean popular culture <laughs> enters the global market, but the global market helps to create Korean popular culture. And so we get that yeah. fabulous. Now, I, I suppose we should also acknowledge while, while so many of these uh, aspects of Korean popular culture have been huge, uh, amazing, wonderful additions to global culture, I'll have to call mm-hmm. out Korea for being responsible for. The Masked Singer. Now, Jada, I have to be honest, not a big fan (laughs) of the reality show The Masked Singer. Uh uh Uh, I've seen a couple Uh of episodes and immediately thought, why in the world does this exist? And now I know it is because of Korea. Now, are there other aspects of Korean reality television that are Uh having a global impact?
1: Uh Um, So Korean reality shows, it's kind of format trade was another way that Korean television companies try to export so, if you look at in the early 2010s, um Korean reality show formats were exported to China. Uh, I'm as I am a singer, and also a father. Where we are, a daddy. Where we are going? This uh, formats, uh, reality show formats, made a huge sensation in China, and mm-hmm. since uh, since the huge hit of this. Uh, uh, we made shows in China, Korean television companies, they thought about the possibility of selling this new type of you know, media uh, content. So they uh, focused more on developing um, the format, the reality show format. And I think I Singer is also another example of mm. you know expanding this type of things. Um, but I'm not quite sure this is kind of continued because now the China and Korea, the relationship is a little tricky. Hmm. And also the reality show formats are not really uh, economically really um, huge um, uh, revenue they can have. So hmm. I'm not quite sure they're continuing to do this, but like in the mess singer is kind of uh, the outcome that you can see how Korean Uh, media professionals, they are really actively seek out, you know, um, the expansion of uh, uh, lots of Korean media content.
0: Now, it's interesting that as as there are more and more of these global platforms, uh, then Mm -hmm. there are people who are going to try to find ways uh, to fill that. So really, in many ways, Mm -hmm. Netflix helps to create Korean culture just as Korean culture Mm -hmm. is helping to create Mm -hmm. Netflix. Now, Jade, Netflix has acquired the rights to Squid Game, but here on Pop Life, we have our own game Mm -hmm. of torture. Jade, I'm going to introduce you to the Fast Five. So, Jade, we love to not only learn about our expertise from our experts, we love to know a little bit more about them and their interest in pop culture. And We begin that segment with a little game we call the Fast Five. So I'm going to ask you five either-or questions, asking Mm -hmm. you to follow your heart. Uh, as per our conversation they're all related to korean popular culture (laughs) so we'll start with question number one jade if you were a contestant on the masked singer which song Mm -hmm. would you be more likely to perform would it be bts's chart-stopping butter or would you perform Uh blackpink's song shut down which of those would you choose for your masked singer performance Uh, butter Butter, come on everyone loves butter question number two for you jade (laughs) Which nightmare scenario would you prefer to find yourself in? Trapped in the lair of the amphibious monster from Bong Joon-ho's film The Host or uh-huh. on the train to Busan from the amazing Korean zombie film oh, by Yon Sung-ho?
1: That's tough. <laughs> train to Busan.
0: The train. At least it's moving. You're not, you're not stuck in the lair. <laughs> question, question number three for you, Jade. Which of the games in Squid Game do you think you would be best at? Do you think you'd be better at Red Light, Green Light? Or Uh sugar honeycombs where contestants use a needle to carve out shapes from sugar cookies. Which of those games would you be better at in Squid Game?
1: Oh, uh, sugar cookies! I, I'm really
0: good at it. <laughs> I would be horrible. I, that would be. I would just when I saw that game, I thought, well, that's me. I would be totally dead. Question number four for you. Now I know that NBC has recently adapted the Korean reality show Grandpa's Over Flowers into the show uh-huh. Better Late Than Never with four celebrities: George Foreman, Terry Bradshaw, Henry Linkler, and William Shatner, traveling to various locations. <laughs> Which location would you prefer to visit with those venerable celebrities? Would you take them to the bustling city of Seoul or to the tropical scenery of Saguipo? Oh, that's a
1: difficult question. Uh, Pop life is a hard life here. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) tropical scenes.
0: You would go with the (laughs) tropical island. I think that's a great choice. So finally, question number five for you, Jade. Psy's popular song, Gangnam Style, immortalized the Gangnam District of Seoul into global Mm -hmm. popular culture. Knowing Mm -hmm. where you're living, which South Texas city do you think deserves similar treatment? Would you prefer your home of Laredo style or a little Mm -hmm. further south, would you go with McAllen style? Which Southern Texas city deserves a Psy song?
1: I'm happy with the Laredo.
0: (laughs) It will be Laredo style for us. Uh, Thank you so much, Jade. You've been an amazing guest. We always love to end our interviews with the question, what is part of your pop life? What are you loving? What are you watching? What's on your pop culture radar these days?
1: Not really. I'm kind of uh, listening to podcasts, but sometimes I actually uh, listen to the daily.
0: Oh, that's a great podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Are there any TV shows you've been loving or looking forward to that are coming back? Uh, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Grey's Anatomy. Yes, a perennial favorite. Yeah. Always a good one. <laughs> well, we hope as you're listening to your podcast, you might throw pop life into your podcast rotation. Uh, I'll Jay, definitely
1: do it. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing this global perspective on pop culture and for joining us on this edition of Pop Life. And I'll say to our listeners, remember, no matter where in the world the next big trend in pop culture emerges, you know we'll be tracking it right here on Pop Life. I will see you all next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Pop Life, a production of WAER, Syracuse Public Media. You can find archived episodes at WAER.org. And don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen for automatic delivery of new episodes.